Somebody said one time, you know, you'll read every once in a while about somebody that's a jogger falling over dead. Said, did it add any years to his life? I don't know, but it added life to his years because he felt better. I wish I could tell you all your problems would disappear if you live for the Lord, but I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that he promised that he'd never leave us or forsake us, go with us to the very end. And I'm so glad for that. It is good to have Randy and Tammy and their children here. And uh, look across the crowd here just a minute. Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone that's here. Byron, we've been praying for you. The devil's a liar. Hallelujah. But we're your friend no matter what. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Our uh, system, I've, I've read several of these novels on lawyers and things. I like to read that. Our system is not a perfect system. Uh, we know that people, you went to jail, a lot of them will tell you they was innocent, but some of them were innocent. And then the truth is, some that were guilty got off. But by and large, the system works, by and large. But I'm glad that I serve a God that he knows all things. And when we stand before him, there won't be any errors made. Aren't you glad for that thought? Although that's a scary thought, there won't be any errors made. If you obeyed his word and ready to be saved, you'll make it. If not, you won't. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like to turn to Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Appreciate uh, everyone that's helping out with the Vacation Bible School. A lot of work been going on. and Anybody busy? Hallelujah. Anybody feel like you just got spare time of hanging around? Uh, we live in a busy day, and uh, but we can't forget what it's all about. Deuteronomy 6. As a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and start with verse 4. I was going to start with verse 6, but I love this scripture. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontly between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and, of, and on thy gates. And everybody say praise the Lord. And bless you, you may be seated. We do need to be a witness in the world that we live in. God called us to be witnesses. We are the body of Christ. And, of course, the Lord has been blessing our church. We're so thankful for that. Uh, there is a lost world out there that needs to be reached. Uh, we need help teaching Bible studies. Brother Kyle needs some help teaching Bible studies. We've got a lot of outreach material, and uh, we need some help. But that's not what I want to preach about tonight. I was looking through my notes, and uh, actually I, I preached this basic message in 1992 at a, a rally in Louisiana. But I want to preach tonight about save our children. Save our children. It's bad enough that we're really not reaching the lost world. And we're not. It's bad enough that we're really not reaching the lost world. While we're thankful that we have 200 people, what is that in the metropolitan area of Jackson? Not very many. 
And so it's bad enough that we're not reaching uh, our lost world, but are we doing enough to save our children? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I do have a burden for the lost and dying world out there, but I believe my first responsibility is to my family. God gave me children, he gave you children, and it's incumbent upon us that we do everything that we can to see our children saved. I'm talking about whatever it costs, whatever we got to do. God help me to understand that when I stand before him on that judgment day, that I want to be able to look and see my children. I want to see them shouting and dancing on the streets of gold. That is a desire and a burden of my heart. And so we are commanded to teach our children. You know why the Jewish nation survived thousands of years? They had a strict code of dress. They had a strict code of conduct. And they taught their children. And they kept their identity. If we ever reach the day that you can't see a Pentecostal lady and recognize her, we have lost it all. I'm glad that we have an identity. I'm glad that there's a signifying mark in the world that we live in. That we are not ashamed of the way we look and the way we act and the way we worship our God. That we're going to teach our children. We're trying to please the one true living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But they taught it strict. You think about it. If everybody in this area that ever had received the Holy Ghost was living for God, think how many thousands and thousands of people that live in the Jackson area. I promise you, it's in the thousands. The thousands of people that received it either as a child or a teenager or an adult somewhere. And I tell you, somehow they lost their way. And oh, help us to understand, church, that there's a real world out there. And there's a real devil out there. And he wants to maim. And he wants to kill. And he wants to destroy. And we've got to do everything we can to protect our children. Why do we have a youth program? We're trying to save our children. Why do we take a youth trip? We're trying to save our children. Why do we have Sunday school we're trying to save our children why do we have kids church we're trying to save our children why do we have vacation Bible school we're trying to save our children why are we starting a Christian school we're trying to save our children we're trying to do everything that we can that by some means that some way somehow if we can just help one child it will be worth it all you never know what's going to happen this week in vacation Bible school, yes, we'll have children come. But if something could be planted in their heart, we may not see it next week. But if something gets in their heart, it'll be worth the $1,000 that we spend having a vacation Bible school. You can't put the price tag on one soul. I say saving our children is more important than how much you make on the job. It's more important. I'll be truthful with you. It's more important to me than my ministry. If the Lord would promise me that my children and grandchildren would would, would be saved. I tell you right now, I'd quit preaching in a heartbeat if that's what it took. I want my children to be saved. Whatever's got to happen, folks, we got to get stirred up. There's a world out there trying to hurt them. There's a world out there that's perverted. There's a world out there that's lost. And the blind is leading the blind. And it's time for the church of the living God to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. We got to save our children. And I've said this lots of times. and. Brother Brown even mentioned this morning, one of my biggest pet peeves in Pentecost is the children dedication. Not that I'm against it, I'm for it. But I have literally been in services in the times past and they'd bring that child that Sunday morning and they'd be weeping and crying, that cute little baby, we'd give it to the Lord and wouldn't he be back at church Sunday night. 
wouldn't be back Wednesday night. Dedicating your child to the Lord is not a 15-minute service. It's an 18-year, a 25-year, whatever years you get to keep on training, to keep on teaching, to keep on leading. I tell you, we got to understand our responsibility. But this survey that, that what I remember now that got me thinking on this thought, and I think it was in the USA Today, I'm not sure, but this was 1992. It said, gave the four greatest influences in a child's life. Number one is the parents. Parents, we have the greatest responsibility and opportunity for our children. Told you a while ago about Michael telling that about the Bible and Gary. You know why? My children seem to get a sense of humor for some reason. You know what I'm saying? I, I tell you what, I wish all of us could understand. Some of you that have a critical spirit, your children have a critical spirit. Some of you that have a rebellious spirit, your children have a rebellious spirit. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm trying to tell you tonight the truth. The truth is you don't understand. When you murmur and complain and you find fault with everything, that spirit is going to get in your children. Oh, God, help us to understand that we're trying to save our children. You're not going to agree with everything that goes on. You're not going to like everything that happens. But we're trying to save our children. We ought to build one another up. We ought to encourage one another. Because you see, what we do is a lot more than what we say. You think a child doesn't notice if you don't live what this church teaches? Sure they do. They don't say anything to you. You're the daddy. You're the mama. They're not going to say anything to you. You think they don't notice if you stay home on Wednesday night when you could be at church? They notice that. You think they don't hear me say everybody come to the prayer room and you don't go? They notice that. They're not saying anything, but see, when you go against what we're asking and teaching, there's going to come a day when we say, boys, we don't drink, and they're going to say, hey, we don't do some other things. He says, let's go ahead and drink. Let's go ahead and dope. Let's go ahead and smoke. Let's go ahead and curse. I'm telling you, folks, we're in a battle to save our children. Oh, God, give me a burden like I've never had. Oh, God, I want our children to be saved. I actually have asked children before where their mom or dad was. I've actually had a few tell me just laying around the house. I'm telling you, I've had one or two tell me that in my life. Children need to be brought up believing in their leaders. They ought to think their Sunday school teacher is the greatest person in the world. They're not going to be perfect. The Sunday school teacher is not going to be perfect, but you ought to build them up to them. They ought to think the youth pastor is a great man. And I hate to say it, but they ought to think the pastor is too. They ought to understand that these are the people that's trying to help us to be saved. And when they hear us and see us bucking the trend and fighting against it, it does something to their mind. You're undermining the authority of the word of the Lord. And let me just go ahead and say this. This really maybe not the biblical thing. Maybe it is. Don't tell your child that they're ignorant. Don't tell their, your child that they hadn't got what it takes. They claim that half the people in jail was told as a child, you're going to end up in jail one day acting like that. And so they fulfilled that prophecy. You ought to tell them, you're going to be a great prayer warrior. You're going to be a soul winner. You're going to be a worshiper. God's got his hand upon you. God's leading you and guiding you. Let's tell them good things. Let's tell them positive things. They need to hear that. They hear enough negative in the world. They're going to have somebody put them down. You don't have to worry about their bubble getting too big. Somebody in the world will pop it. And that little old article they put in the paper, they caught me kind of leaning back. Did you see that, Brother Manners? 
man, I, I thought, man, do I look that chubby? That's the word I like to use, chubby. I thought, that's pitiful. But you see, there's enough people out in the world that's going to hurt you. There's enough people out in the world that's going to cause you damage. That's why the house of the Lord ought to be a place of peace and tranquility. We don't need confusion. We don't need division. We need to understand we're here trying to reach our children. We're trying to reach a lost and dying world that comes in. They need to feel the love of God. Yeah, I get tickled. I've had a few people tell me, or maybe a few, one or two, tell me, I can't get my 10-year-old boy to get his hair cut. And I'm thinking, do what? I told them the Beatles were big when I was a boy. Anybody know who the Beatles are? And you know, they was the first one they had to wore the hair down on the forehead. My daddy wouldn't let me wear my hair down on my forehead. He'd say, get that off your forehead, man. He'd, I mean, I was trying to be cool. I didn't have no question about getting a haircut. I got a haircut when daddy said, get a haircut. Matter of fact, daddy wouldn't let us block ours off in the back. We had to wear it just, what do you call it, uh, down the neck or something there. Taper, yeah, we ain't gonna have no blocking. No, 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 no. And you know what? He's my daddy, so he was right. Listen to me, young people. Every once in a while, your parents are gonna tell you something that's even a little more than maybe we say from the pulpit. Your parents are right, as long as they're not violating the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I say they're right. They've got the responsibility. But we need to understand this. What are and then here's the big one right here. What are our children feeding their minds on? How many of you believe good things affect you for the good? How many believe Sunday school is good for you? How many think vacation Bible school is good? How many think hearing the Bible study is good? Yes, when you hear good things, it's good for you. But there's a lot of bad things in the world. And a lot of people today are feeding their mind on Hollywood today. And I don't think I've ever seen this program, but I've read a lot about it. A little boy named Bart Simpson that's always portraying his daddy to be the dunce. And always smart mouth. Our children need to feed their mind on the junk of this world. You can't pollute yourself with what the world has got to offer. And think you're going to be pure and clean and holy. And the movies PG don't stand for pretty good. I said it a while back. People, grandparents of us, some of us here that didn't even have the Holy Ghost would be embarrassed at what goes on in Pentecostal people's houses today. That good friend man that died in, in the Stamps, Arkansas, the banker, the one helped me many, many times. He got the cable TV, and he one night, I don't know what switched on, he was flipping the channels, I guess, and he told him to come out and unhook that thing. There was one program, he said, I'm not going to have that filth in my house. Why? He understood we can't feed our mind on the things of this world and keep ourselves pure and holy and right with God. And our children can't be exposed to immorality and cursing and taking the Lord's name in vain all the time and think it's not going to affect them. It is going to affect them. Parents, we're the one. And let me just go ahead and get on my real hobby horse. Is this music. In my opinion, the music is the biggest stumbling block of all for young people. And I've worked with a lot of young people. 
And I hate to tell you this, but I had somebody report to me not long ago that there was a lady visiting our church, came several times, and she walked out on the parking lot one night, and some of our young people was out there, gathered around, listening to some, I forgot what the name of it was now, they told me the name of it, and she said, that's a bad song. This lady didn't even believe what we did, but she said, if that's what it's like here, she said, that's not what I want, and she hadn't been back. Young people, you need to throw that junk away. you got to get that trash out of your car, out of your room, out of your house. Praise God, we got to feed our mind on good things. We got to understand this. Parents, we're the biggest influence on our children's lives. Somebody said, my child's not doing good because they don't let them sing a solo. That's not the problem. It's probably that TV they're watching all the time. It's probably the music they're listening to all the time. It's probably the junk they're reading all the time. That's the problem right there. Lord, help us to understand we have a responsibility to our children. And we all have made mistakes. My daddy sat down one time and I was asking him a question about what should I do about one of my children. He said, I don't know, son. <laughs> he said, I don't know. Now, he knew when he was my daddy, but he's lived long enough to realize that he said, man, that's a tough call. There's some things you just have to pray about. There's some things you've got to fast about. But parents, we need to understand, we are the greatest influence on our, on our children's lives. We can say all we want to, but that's the greatest influence because up till about 10 or 12 years old, they want to walk like us, they want to talk like us, they want to dress like us, and we need to understand at that time their mind is being formed. And oh God, help them somehow to understand. I want them little boys seeing me in the prayer room. I want them seeing me dancing in the aisle. I want them to see me praising and magnifying God. I don't want them seeing me just hitting the softball and just playing with them in the park. I want them to see me reading my Bible. Oh, Michael, he didn't, he just hadn't caught me, I guess, but he said, Papa, the other day, he said, all you ever read is the Bible. That's not all I read, but I'm glad that's what he thinks. Praise God. He needs to see me reading the Bible. They need to understand this is what it's all about, church. We've got to understand there is a world that has got into the church today. And it has taken a lot of churches captive. There's a lot of people that one time believed the message that we believe. And now they're out there in outer darkness. And they don't stand for anything. And they don't believe for anything. I say we're not trying to look like the world. We're not trying to act like the world. We're trying to save our children. Lord, help me. God, if it would take it, Lord, I'd rather an eye be plucked out and my children be saved. Oh, God, I want them to be saved. Any parent, if you've got a lost child, you know you wake up in the night sometimes and you go and kneel down at the chair and you're pleading the blood. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, don't give up on them, Lord. Would you reach out and touch them? I say that's more important than anything else in this life. Let me keep my priorities right. Survey went on to say, and this one kind of surprised me at first, but then I thought about it. Said the second biggest influence in a child's life is their school teacher. That's what it said. Because they have them six and seven hours a day. You know, I, my wife taught there in Shreveport in the inner city school, and they were all black children. And I come out one day to see her, and when I walked in the door, they all started snickering. They said, oh, Miss Beckton's got a white daddy. 
she had loved them so much that they didn't think of her as being white. See, they had accepted her. Let me tell you, if everybody's teaching school in the public school system is not holy. Everybody teaching school is not moral. And they're going to all dress different than the way we dress. What I'm saying, I'm going to understand, they have a lot of hours with them. That's one of the reasons I am for a Christian school. I believe every parent has the right to make the choice. I'll say that every time I say it. But the reason I'm for it is I'm telling you, I have been in schools for 20 years now, and they're progressively getting worse. And the teachers that used to wear dresses, I have seen them in short shorts, and I've seen them in just tops that are unbelievable, that are showing all kind of things in the public school today. And folks, we're trying to protect our children. You do what you want to do but we're trying to reach our children we're trying to put a hedge around them we're trying to plead the blood over them because you're around anybody very often you begin to accept some of what they are somebody that's nice and kind to you before long you get to thinking hey and there are a lot of wonderful people and please we've got some of the best school system in this area I'm going to be truthful with you you ought to go up to the Delta now. It's a little different story. We got wonderful public schools. I believe they get a good education here. But I'm concerned about the environment. I'm concerned about what they hear and see every day. I'm concerned. They cussed a little bit when I was a boy. But I walk down the halls of schools now and hear little children cussing. I could tell you some things. My wife, you know, she was so innocent when we, she first started teaching. She'd come home and say, I need to ask you what a word is. And she says, is that a bad one? I said, oh, don't let them say that one, hon. That's a bad one. And one day she said, I don't know why that one little boy was so mad. He said, he's talking about my mother. She said, wasn't that nice? I said, no, hon, that wasn't nice. She didn't understand that we live in a society that thinks nothing of taking the Lord's name in vain. They think nothing of using four-letter words in front of their children. I can't imagine for the life of me people that sit and watch dirty movies with their children. I can't comprehend that. And yet I have known even Pentecostal people that would sit right there with their children and they're using vulgar language and never even blush and never bat an eye. There's something wrong there, folks. We're trying to protect our children. We're trying to save our children. Oh, God, I want our children to be saved. Oh, God, I have seen children that they didn't mean it. They were children are just moldable. They become what they're around. They talk about what they hear. They play out what they have seen. Once again, my wife has, taught, has caught five-year-olds trying to do some terrible acts in her room. Now, they didn't have the desire in their own mind. They had seen it either at home or on the tube somewhere. And they was trying to portray what they had seen. And we need to understand. I tell you, how much don't you think it would help to have Holy Ghost filled people praying with your children every morning, praying with them once a week in the altar time? Oh, God, help us to understand the world's not getting better. Anybody believes the world's getting better is deceived. He said in the last days it was going to wax worse and worse. Oh God, help us to understand this is the time for the church to stand up and say we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation. Anybody beside me ever get pressured to play ball when you was in school? And folks, y'all know I like to play ball. 
hitting the ball ain't wrong, but the environment can be wrong. The coach usually cusses. The coach usually tells you if you play football, you got to get mad. you got to knock them down. you got to hate them. you got to beat them up. I'm telling you, the good coaches do that. Now, they can betray all they want to in front of everybody, but they have to do that. But I remember that pressure that I wanted to be like everybody else. And our children feel that same pressure. And yes, they have to stand up to it someday. But doesn't it make sense that they'd be 18 years old instead of being 7 years old? That we can put something inside of them. Oh, God, give them a love for the truth. Let the God get a hold of their heart where it gets ground in there to where they know who they are and I told the little boys this when I took them up there Friday I said boys y'all remember they's going to see Curtis I said remember you're Pentecostal boys and, and Michael said what's Pentecostal I said Michael you know what Pentecostal is I said that means we don't do everything they do we don't and so you know we have no control over that but you see, I want them to get a love for the truth. I want them to get a love that they love Jesus Christ. That they understand this is what it's all about. Oh, let's, let's touch the Lord just a minute. God, help us. Oh, God, help me, Lord. Oh, God, help us, Lord, to get a burden for a lost world. Get a burden for our children, Lord, like it's never had before. God, help us. The third greatest influence on a child's life, they said, was their peer pressure, their peers. Folks, it does matter who your children run around with. It does matter. It used to make me mad my daddy wouldn't let me go out at nighttime. I'm not talking about when I was 13. I'm talking about when I was 18. He wasn't going to let me just go out with the boys and cruise around supposedly for a glass of milk. He wouldn't let us do that. Because he knew in that Stamps, Arkansas, we were only Pentecostal family, and them boys wasn't out for a glass of milk. And he used to make me mad. I said, Daddy, you can't tell me. Well, I didn't tell him this, but I thought this. <laughs> you can't tell me who'd be my friends. Well, he couldn't tell me who's going to be my friends, but he controlled how much I was around them. We don't need to spend the night with other children don't believe like we do. I'm just telling you, we don't. Because you're going to be affected by them. Even people that call themselves Christians, they do not have the same concept that we have. They don't understand about this. They want to take a mixed swimming. Have you ever thought how ignorant mixed swimming really is? Seriously. If you went to somebody's door and they was in their slip and a couple of other undergarments, they wouldn't open the door. But yet you can go to the beach or the swimming pool and man, I mean, looks like they got a Band-Aid on or something. Lord, help us. Doesn't common sense tell you? Hey, if you've ever been a 16-year-old boy, you, you wouldn't want your daughter out there with them heathens. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know they ain't worried about the water. Praise the Lord. We need to understand, folks, the world does not think like we think. They don't believe like we believe. We're going to be their friend as much as we can. We're going to help them as much as we can. But don't you know, James said, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And we've got to, there is a line that we have to draw. There's a place we have to take a stand and say, this is who we are. At some point, you're going to have to tell your children, this is who we are. We don't go. We moved to Cleveland, and lo and behold, somebody in the church, we didn't have but three, but somebody in the church let their little boy go mix women. Now, he wasn't but seven, and I understand at seven that wasn't bad, but I couldn't believe they didn't know. I said, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. 
And you know, you don't want to come off being a holy Joe. But folks, we got to protect them. Do you know what? There's a book, and I wish I had the name of it right here on the tip of my tongue. But it's called about the influence of a child. And it talks about how a child, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, they can have one experience, one experience, and forever scar them. One experience where they got in a bad situation. One experience. You know when, how most boys end up homosexual? Somebody messed with them when they was a teenager. Some, and they were not mature enough and then somehow they thought it was exciting or something and it twisted their mind and it messed up their thinking. You better know where your children are. You need to know who they're with and what they're doing. There is a world out there that is perverted and they don't know right from wrong. And it's time for us to stand up as the church. Help us, Lord. And the fourth influence it finally put down was the church. We're low on the totem pole, folks. There's the parents, the school teacher, the peers, the church. We only have them three or four hours a week. They're not listening half the time. And most of y'all not either. It's hard to have much influence like that. People drifting in and out all the time. Man, I look over here sometimes, and some of these guys look like they're in Star Trek or something. They just get staring out there, gazing out there, thinking about one of them pretty girls, I guess. Hallelujah. But they're just out there in space. I, I'm not saying that's always wrong. We all do that. But we only have a certain amount of time that we're here. And one more time, let me just say it as clear as I know how, that you need to back the leadership of this church. You're not going to agree with everything we do. It's not always even going to be right okay I confess I'm not always right but somebody's got to make a decision and once we make a decision the church needs to rally together and say we're going to bind together and we're going to stand for this and we're going to do what's right let me just say this one more time not just trying to belabor the point but can you not see the benefit of a school though for the fact that what they hear at church and supposedly what they're hearing at home is the same thing they hear at school doesn't that make sense because you see no matter how straight they hear us we've only got them two or three hours and at home I hope you're, you're being a good example but they're at school six and seven hours a day and all the don't look at them girls with a bad thought that you say here when they get at school and them girls is half naked any young man is going to look at them and they're going to have lust in their heart that's a natural product oh God help us to understand we're trying to do everything we can to save our children one more time if we only save one it's worth it all I got it down here I said it already but I'll say it again that your children need to see you in the prayer room they need to see you weeping every once in a while they need to hear you call their name every once in a while they need to see you worshiping God they need to see you just called up every once in a while either weeping or dancing or in between the pews or something, that, yes, I'm getting a touch from the Holy Ghost. They can tell when we get a touch. We're all better when we get a touch. You're better to your wife when you get a touch. Man, you just, oh, that's all right, hon, don't worry about it. When you really get a touch. And our children know when we're really in tune with the Holy Ghost. Mine really know. Because if I don't pray, that old flesh rises up in me. I'm ashamed to tell you this, but I'll tell you. I was a little aggravated there Friday about something. And Cindy comes in to me and she says, 
Brent wants to know what you mad at him about. I said, well, I am mad. But I was hated that he could see it. <laughs> you see, when we get mad, we say things and do things we shouldn't do. We do. And the Holy Ghost is to help us, to lead us and to guide us. I tried to have a, I, I tell you what I was really doing, though. I decided I wasn't going to say that while I was mad. I was trying to wait till I calmed down. But after she said that, it provoked me to go ahead and tell them. But the truth of the matter is, I have learned in my life, it's better to think twice and speak once than speak twice and think once. But we need to understand our children know we're real. They, 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 when I go home, I'm not Brother Becton. I'm Daddy and Papa. They know what I like to do. They see where my desires are. Nothing wrong with the desires if you like to hunt and fish and shop or whatever you like to do, as long as it's not against the Word of the Lord. But they ought to see that we have the same desire about the things of the Lord. That I don't say, oh man, we got revival tonight. That's not what they should hear. They ought to hear, oh, we're going to the house of the Lord tonight. Somebody's probably going to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's going to get a touch. They ought to hear good things and exciting things about coming to the house of the Lord. I like it. We, we hadn't had it of late, but I like it when the children get to dancing around the front. It don't bother me. I know they're not always in the spirit, but hey, man, did anybody ever play church when you was little? Have we lost that? Is it only cowboys and Indians or who knows what nowadays? Uh, I say there was times past that I love to see the Holy Ghost get to moving so much that the children don't know what's going on. They just want to be a part. Uh, I see them dancing around the front. They just want to feel the touch of the Holy Ghost. They want to know what made a change in your life. Uh, oh, God, let them feel the same thing that I have felt. One of my earliest memories, Memphis, Tennessee, and I know I've told you before, but I'd be under the pew it was a concrete floor. They was building a new church. Under the pew, and I'd see those high heels going up and down. One of my earliest memories. And I always thought that was cool. So I went home and put on high heels. No, no, I didn't. But I'm just saying, I always thought that was cool. I always thought, man, what are they doing? I don't understand that. And you know, my mom and dad, and, and let me say this, my mom and dad are not the overly emotional type in church. And, and we was in churches where they didn't do much running and dancing in my younger years. I, I, I don't know what the problem was. They just didn't do it much. But my mother and dad moved to Wichita back in about 87. Started going to church there where Gary was. And, and, and Gary, boy, they'd run the aisles, man. There was a woman pregnant. I'm talking about it. And she had it about two days running the aisles. I may have helped her have it. I don't know. But, I mean, she, I mean they run the aisles. And I'm going to tell you, it did my heart good, Brother Meadows. I saw my daddy get out and make a laugh. Hallelujah. And my mama did too. Now, that wasn't the test of their spirituality. They lived the life. That was the real test of their spirituality. But it just did me some good. I want you our children need to see us worshiping God. They need to see us linger around the altar. They need to hear us talking in tongues. They need to see the fire burning inside of us. Most of all, what's ever happened making our children faithful? Because I'm going to tell you, it affects you how you're brought up, folks. And I heard a statement years ago, and it bothers me some. It says, what we do, what parents do in moderation, our children will do in excess. Now, there's a true statement there. In other words, everything's not wrong. You see, I might could just play softball on Saturday. But you know what? Some of them was playing softball on Sunday. Some of them are playing softball on Wednesday night now. And people will go to that instead of coming to church. That's wrong. Anything that takes you out of the house of the Lord that is a choice is wrong. 
And so what we do in moderation, our children have a ability to take it in excess but my dad it used to just aggravate me really it did we'd almost be the first one at church every time my dad's not a preacher my dad's an accountant but yet we and we drove the furthest of anybody in the church and we was going to be there early but you know what that instilled in me I like to be on time I don't like to be late I never knew what it was to miss a midweek service I never knew what it was to miss a revival service if the doors was open we was going to be there God give us some men and some women that will raise their children in the year 2000 with that same philosophy that I know we're busy I know we're tired but I'm going to be an example I want my children to see that this is real it's real Lord help us I figured up one time and Brother Meadows we mentioned a while ago about that article and I've sat many times at a school and they'd come in three or four five hundred children I thought you know they'd kick me out if I mentioned anything about the Holy Ghost I averaged entertaining 100,000 children a year there in my full-time years. Over a course of 12, 15 years, I, I probably had a, you know, some of them were the same kids, probably a half a million children. But I never got to tell them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, folks, don't take it for granted what we've got. Don't, don't take it for granted some of our holiness standards. As Brother Brown mentioned, and that was a great lesson this morning, Brother Brown. You see, you need some guidelines. It makes you feel secure. There's some things we just don't do. There's just some places we don't go. Even if we don't have a scripture for it, we have learned that there's danger out there. If we only lost one out of a hundred, is it worth losing one out of a hundred to that? We took the stance years ago, we just don't go to the picture show. We just took that stance years ago. We just ain't doing that. And I tell you what, I'm glad we took that stance. When you read the paper and the filth that's in there nowadays, it wasn't so bad back when it was I Love Lucy, but it ain't I Love Lucy anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's Adam and Steve. It ain't Adam and Eve. We live in a world that's all messed up. But, oh, God, help us to understand we're not trying to see how close we can be to the world. We're trying to see how close we can get to Jesus Christ. Just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. You just need to know what your children are watching, listening to, where they're going. And I'll just go ahead and say it. I believe in searching their rooms. Hallelujah. I'm the one paying the bills, praise God. I got a right. Shouldn't be nothing in there. If everything's okay, man, what's wrong? Inspect what you expect. Hallelujah. I say, folks, we're in a battle. There is a real devil. Some people live like they don't think there's a real devil. There is a real devil, folks. I mean, I'm talking about a real tangible spirit that you can do battle with. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about because you ain't never got in the arena. There is a real spirit world out there. And when you try to stand up for righteousness, you're going to find a battle. You're going to find somebody coming against you. You're going to find yourself attacked. But praise God, that's all right. It's worth fighting for. There's some things worth fighting for. And our children are worth fighting for. 
You got to make up in your mind, everybody, what's worth fighting for. See, some things ain't worth fighting for. You know, if you and that car get there to that parking spot about the same time and neither one of you can get in, it ain't worth jumping out of your car and go over and say, get out of the car, let's settle this like a man. That ain't worth fighting for. It's not. It's not somebody whooping in front of you and almost running you off. It ain't really worth running up and whooping them off. It ain't worth that. But I tell you what, anything's worth fighting for our children. Whatever we got to do, whatever's got to happen, you got to draw some boundaries and some guidelines. And this is what's going to happen in our files. That don't mean they're always going to do it. But you got to have some guidelines. There's got to be some penalties involved. Oh, Lord, help me. I look back and I was so rebellious as my teenage years because I couldn't do what everybody wanted to do. But you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad my daddy didn't give in. Because I'm telling you, folks, and this applies to a pastor. People are always pushing. Want to do a little bit more of what we've been doing. There's always a battle going on. My little brother, y'all see my older brother Gary? My older brother Gary is a holiness preacher. I got a little brother Jim that's a charismatic preacher. It's my mom and dad grieve over this so much. But you know what? Jim actually told me and Gary one time. He said, I don't know what, I couldn't believe he told He said, I don't know what we're going to have to do. He said, we're going to have to do something. He said, some of them are wearing them hot pants to church. You're going to have to draw a line somewhere, folks. You have to draw a line somewhere. Every church has got a line. They usually won't let you drink at church. Surely they won't. Surely there's not a church that lets you drink. In other words, everybody's got a fence somewhere. So we might as well put the fence where the Bible says. And we're just going to make our stand right there. If God be for us, who can be against us? I say I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Oh God, help us to understand it's worth a fight. It's worth a battle. It's, it's worth some blood, sweat, and tears to see our children saved. I want us to come as families tonight. Would you come? And if you're here by yourself, would somebody's close to you, would you just draw them into your family there? Why don't we, I want everybody, as much as we can, spread out across the front, get up and down the aisles. I want us to pray for our family. Pray for our children, our grandchildren. Look around, make sure nobody's left by themselves. Really, if you're here without somebody, please, somebody's going to bind you in there. Hallelujah. And folks... I want us to take here just two or three, four, five minutes. And I want you to pray for every member of your family. I want all of you that's in your group to pray for them one at a time. That God will have their hand upon them. That God will save them whatever it takes. Uh, right now, just begin to pray for your family.
Come on, church. Let's praise the Lord a little bit here. You ought to thank him for your family. Oh, God, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my children, my grandchildren. Oh, God, help me to understand my responsibilities and my duties. Oh, God, we love you tonight. Above everything, Lord, save us. Oh, God, help us to reach a lost and dying world. But, God, at least let me be like Noah. Oh, God, let me save my children and my spouse, oh, Lord, that we might make it in the ark. Oh God, that we might be saved from this world that we're in. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. Let's pray. Come on, church. Let's plead the blood. Oh, God, right now, Lord, help us. Oh, God, lead us and guide us, Lord. Show us your ways, oh, God. Oh, God, forgive us of our trespasses. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive me for a wrong attitude. Forgive me for a wrong spirit, oh, God. I want to be saved. Oh, God. God, I want to be saved. Oh, God, I want everybody in this building to be saved. Help us, oh, Lord, reach out, mighty God.